And this is the municipal. Have you been paying attention to like city stuff? Don't vote, can't bitch. Sorry to uh, to point that finger at you. My answer was that would be yes and no. My tummy hurts, and I'm mad at the government. You're saying council wouldn't approve it, and two, you're robbing them of their their voice. It's it's he's already he's already failed to vote. And welcome to another episode of the Municipals. I am Matthew, of course. And I'm Philip, of course. And we are coming to you, uh, I guess, almost a week, almost, after Olivia Chow was sworn in as the new mayor. Um, and don't we have some uh, interesting going-ons? I don't know if you've uh, got anything in particular planned, Matthew, but I've I've got I've got some thoughts about some current going ons. Well, what I'd like to do is actually get all the municipal stuff done first because there's a, a couple provincial pieces I wanted to talk about, but we can save those for the main event. And I promise there's one thing that you're gonna love. I promise. I trust you. I believe you. So why don't you start us off where you want to start? Okay. Um, I actually, I would like to start with the, the, the kind of the situation that's growing and kind of more people are become aware of it at 129 Peter Street, the, um, the refugee kind of crisis that's happening there, uh, where one of the, one of the things that Deputy Mayor Jennifer McKelvey did while she was our acting mayor was, uh, she, didn't allow our shelters to be open to refugees, which is why they are all on 129 Peter Street, just waiting for some sort of solution, some sort of shelter. And I don't know if, have you been paying attention to any of this going on the at 129 Peter? So I drive by there about three times a week. So, and I actually oh, drove, wow. I drove by there today. So I'm very familiar. What I've heard is, it's in contrast to what uh, what you've heard. So the way I hear it, and uh, again, anyone can correct me if I'm wrong, Justin Trudeau has basically opened the borders and you can claim asylum at Pearson Airport and then be told, uh, yeah, uh, just go to 129 Peter Street. My My understanding is that it's actually a combination of both of these things. Okay. <laughs> which is very funny. Um, which is so it's it's like it's a municipal failing. It is a federal failing, and it's like we're all sort of waiting for governments to take action. Like right now, um, we have uh, we haven't had them on the show. Diana McDally and Lorraine Champ, I believe, are are pretty regular like activists around that sort of. That stuff, but joining them, helping them out, is a former guest of our show, uh, Brett Karen. She's she's also doing a lot of work at 129 Peter. And in fact, uh, you know, Matthew, maybe uh, have a lookout for her, see if maybe one time you can can stop the chat. But yeah, they're they're all floating around there. They're doing work. Um, one of the big questions at the moment, uh, and and it's kind of brought up where you are, um, is that this is a big part of this is federal jurisdiction and uh, where are the, the federal liberal MPs? And the one 
thing that I've heard, I mean, we're going to cover her inauguration. uh, But the one thing that I've heard is that she wants uh, provincially, but, but federally as well for them to pony up Uh, because this issue. Yes. Yeah. It's not, it's not Olivia Chow and, and, and it's not even Doug Ford opening the borders. That's Justin Trudeau opening the borders. And if you're going to open and you're going to say everyone is welcome, which is fine, you can do that, but then you got to pay for it. That's true. I mean, the, it just, it does feel like we're in a bit of a, a tight spot and it, I want to say it's almost dicey to, to t- I'm not smart enough to, uh, to talk about immigration as like a bigger thing, but the only thing that, would currently make me a bit weird about immigration is simply the fact that I, okay. A lot of people will, will kind of reject immigration under the guise of we need to take care of our own first. I don't, I don't buy that. I I believe we are doing a good thing when we, when we accept refugees and, and stuff like that. But right at this moment, uh, our country, it feels like we're really experiencing a housing crisis We've talked about this. We've others have talked about this. We've all heard about it. How is anyone supposed to get a home? And I and again, this isn't me saying they shouldn't come because they're they're taking our homes. I just don't think there are any for anyone. It seems like. Well, you know, you, you know, you raise a good point. Um, it's hard to quantify the percentage of. Uh, when you quantify the percentage of the homeless, what's what's refugee and or immigrants and what's kind of, um, for lack of a better expression, Canadian people? <laughs> I don't know. The big thing is, is I'm just waiting for any level of government to do anything. I'm hugely disappointed that even if the city couldn't do anything, I wish Olivia Chow had said something by now. I'm I can guarantee you, Matthew, that she will have something to say tomorrow because that was like the 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 deadline for, you know, after the emergency meeting on Friday, they were going to have steps on Tuesday. So that's when I imagine we're going to hear something from Olivia Chow. I think we should have heard from her on Friday. Like it it sucks that it's like, uh well Olivia, you got inaugurated, you're in. Uh Sorry, girl, you don't got any time. You just got shit to do. But you wanted to be mayor. You've got shit to do. So, Phil, you're the more, you're the leftist. So let me ask you this. Kind of, I guess, when do you start, if nothing happens, and I know that's a big if, but if nothing happens, when do you start going, what's going on here? Uh, we elected you to be the better choice. You're the mayor. Uh, you have certain powers. What's what's going on here? What why 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 do we still have? You haven't even put a dent in 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 the homelessness slash housing crisis. What's what's going on here? Because uh, uh, before this, we were led to believe that people like John Tory were not going to lift a finger we all we joked we joked for for the whole podcast well he's done nothing his whole mayoralty he's done nothing he just collect chloe brown said he collects dust so 
what kind of a, I guess a, a, a personal deadline, a time frame. A time frame. What, what, what are we looking at here? What do you think? I think that's a great, it's a great question. And the truth is, um, this is really where we're going to separate the people who, who supported Olivia Chow on their ideals and the people who are supporting Olivia Chow because of some, you know, an image of progressiveness. And I feel like you'll get a lot of people who want to defend Olivia Chow. And hopefully my thoughts will, will make sense when I present them. I almost feel like it's a bit, I'm not saying uh, that it's unfair. Actually, I'm saying it's a bit unfair, but I'm not saying that that's the position. I feel confident that if John Tory were the mayor right now, this refugee situation would be exactly the same, and there would be minimum. There would be some outcry, but it would be muted by the fact that no one expects John Tory to do anything. I think the bigger reason there's outcry here is because we all expect Olivia Chow to be on the forefront of this. That was our impression of her. It was, you know, the ultimate progressive, and you know, these are the sorts of things progressives are worried about vulnerable people like this but and so here's the thing i again she got sworn in on wednesday so we haven't even been seven full days with mayor olivia chow but if we don't hold her accountable now when that honeymoon phase will last forever and it'll go straight to the next election and she'll have accomplished nothing and we'll have people going uh, we didn't even give her a chance. No, we we need to push her now. And if she's going to be as transformative as she has said she wants to be, we need to be pushing now. So it's 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 not fair. It's frustrating. She just got in, but it's I I feel like we have to do this. Well, on that note, let's talk about the other burning issue. You know, again, she hasn't even been mayor seven days. However, um, at being the mayor-elect, she did carry some powers, um, even though officially not the mayor. Um, but here's the thing. Within the last seven days, that woman was shot um, in Leslieville. And that's not Olivia's fault. That's not what I'm saying. However... You Matthew, <laughs> you put the gun in Olivia's hands. <laughs> However, you got there's there's the guy who 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 should never have been let out of jail. I I looked at his record. Did you did you have a chance to look at his record? So I I'm an avid reader of the Sun. I don't read the Star. Sorry, it goes back to my days as a as a delivery boy for the Toronto Sun. But anyway, I like um, that you're apologizing to me. As if I'm just I'm I'm so behind the star. It's like, well, you, you, Matthew, you, you, you read as a star reader. Uh, when I look at you, I'm like, oh, he reads the star. Not that you, <laughs> no, I'm not saying you buy it every day. I'm saying if you had the money, if given the choice, you're choosing the star when you go to the store, correct? If it's a choice between if it listen, if it's a choice between the star and the sun, absolutely I'm reading the star. <laughs> so in the sun, it detailed uh this guy's criminal history. You know, um 
I can't remember what the crimes were, but they were like uh, possession marijuana because that was legal at the time. Uh, but also, uh, I, I think I, I, section one or stage one or whatever word they used, uh, narcotics. So that covered like cocaine, heroin, fentanyl and all that shit. And um, there was like like assault, uh, different different kind of charges. But the, the convictions were were the insane ones. It's like uh, what one day in because uh, you got like 100 days uh, pre-trial and like two years probation. And then some of the charges would be he would break that probation and then he would serve like 60 days in and then get another two years probation. And then this shit just keeps happening. And then in 2017, he stabbed somebody. I don't understand why the fuck he's out. Because if he wasn't out, that lady would still be alive. That's not Olivia Chow's fault. That is Justin Trudeau's fault. And I had this argument with some friends over the weekend. Oh, well, why you got to be on? Uh, we just got a new mayor. I'm like, I'm not attacking the mayor. This is about Justin Trudeau. And then they try to sell me some shit where he's blah, 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 blah. He's this great guy. And I'm like, he... Oh, alt- actually, wait. So your friends wanted you to dump this on Olivia Chow... But we're defending Justin Trudeau? Well, they hate Doug Ford. So by process of elimination, they they like, uh, they're liberals. I don't know why. I I don't know why I'm friends. I don't know why I'm friends with these people. Anyway. <laughs> um, listen, Matthew, we, I, listen, as a, as a quick, as a quick just thought. I mean, you and I very clearly have very different political views. But I mean, that's. That's yeah, but, what we're okay, here for. So, You're here to present our two different kind of like views. But do you ever do you ever get into a conversation with your friends about a political issue, right? And they're blaming the wrong government or they're mad at the wrong government for the issue that they're upset about. And then you try to explain it to them, and then they try they try to school you that you don't know what you're talking about. But we've been doing this shit for how long? We know what we're talking about. If I'm, well, if what's I'm, funny is I'm glad you know you you threw me in with that we as in we know what we're talking about. I do not have enough conviction or courage in myself to say that about myself, but I appreciate that you you would throw me under that know what I'm talking about massage. Well, and and this is the argument that I was having with them because I I was trying to explain to them that the criminal code of Canada falls under the federal government, and the reason that we have people that get 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 charged with attempted murder and they're out on bail 24 hours later that's Justin Trudeau's fault because uh, what's it going to take what is it going to take for for the criminal code for no not the the criminal system to be updated i think that anyone that is charged with violent crime should have no bail and if that's infringing on their rights I don't care. That's it's just how I feel. I feel that anyone that hurts someone with a weapon, be it a knife, a gun or something else, automatic 10 year sentence. There's no wiggle room. The problem is, Philip, and I've learned this recently. I've read about this and I've actually I've, I've watched some things when you give the court or when you give the police room to use their own discretion that's when you get fucked. 
that's when the people go free because they're going to be like, well, I used my own discretion. You have to take their discretion away. You'd be like, no, automatic. You see gun, that means arrested, and he's gone for 10 years, or she's gone for 10 years. Automatic. There's no wiggle room. you got to take away the discretion. How, how do you – let me – am I, am I off base? Am I crazy? Am I off base? I don't think you're crazy. I don't well, – okay. I don't agree with you. I don't think you're crazy, but I don't agree with you. My, my problem is, though, of course, that as as a um, uh, what's the term when like you're hippie, you're a hippie. I well, yes, <laughs> I would say that's in this context absolutely fair. I am abs. Oh, bleeding heart, one hundred percent bleeding heart. Because as, as soon as we throw in these, you know, take away the nuance, just you see and you do. I feel like there is danger in inputting innocent people uh away but and any solution that my that my bleeding heart would propose are all long-term goals so when i talk to you for example about policing and the source of crime and in my opinion the source of crime being uh you know poor economic conditions poor material conditions you know, the solutions to all those things, that's like systemic change. That's like you are uprooting uh, a city, province, country. That's not going to happen in a day or two. So the, prob- the problem is, Matthew, is that my solutions or the solutions that I'd like to propose are long-term, slow-moving solutions. And I, I feel like... You try to implement something like that. I, I, I'm not even saying. Well, and again, I'm, I'm talking about reducing crime by improving people's material conditions. I, I feel like I don't know how to, how do we properly punish crime? How do we, how do we make it? How do we disincentivize? How do we punish crime properly? But, and I mean, what's happening now, if people are, I don't know, they're, it seems as if they're getting out of the jail system way too easily, but it's, this feels like one of those situations, Matthew, that it could very easily turn into a slippery slope, in my mind, of like, you make it, these, these sentences harsher and less nuanced, and I think you're going to trap a lot more people, um, the necessary, but, but other than saying to you, Matthew, that I, I disagree with your position, I don't have a good solution because how do you immediately solve these problems? Well, you see, that's the thing. If, if you know getting caught with a gun in your hand, not even firing it is, is going to get you 10 years, less people are going to get killed. I firmly believe that. It doesn't matter because we're past the discussion of whether the gun is legal or whether it is illegal. 98% of the time, you see gun, you take 98% of the time. It's an illegal gun anyway. And, you know, I was having a conversation with another friend of mine going, well, you, you, you can't shut down the illegal guns. You, you only can't, if you don't try, where are they coming in from? Well, they're coming in from the U S how are they coming in? 
no problem. I'll fucking say it. I'm sure everyone knows, but but I'm gonna say it. It's by boat. Because Philip <laughs> if you, Matthew, I had no idea where you're going with that. So Okay, so I'm glad so to hear that. Imagine imagine a boat or a ship or whatever the fuck taking off from let's say Oregon. Let's say Portland, Oregon. And then and then going out to sea and coming into Vancouver and doing the same on the East coast, going from Boston, say to Newfoundland or whatever, but also doing the same right on the great lakes, avoiding the border and going in and docking. Boom. There's your guns there. I just solved it. The problem is, is that Justin Trudeau is soft on crime. He's soft on gun crime specifically. And to be honest with you, and I know you're going to hate me saying this, until we get another prime minister who most likely is going to be Pierre Polyev, we're not going to see any changes to our criminal justice system. I'm sorry. That sucks. I know you hate that. But it is a fact because if we were going to see changes to the criminal justice system under Justin Trudeau, we would have seen them by now. He's been in power since 2015. Your thoughts? That's fair. No, I think you absolutely make a very good point. It's, you know, no one will be able to convince you that the liberals have a focus on criminal justice reform, because as you said, we're on year eight now, year eight of their run power, and it's not been a priority so far. So why would it change? And here's the thing, Matthew. Um, it doesn't bother me to hear about the the idea that we could very, very likely, in fact, have a Pierre Polyev government. I hate the man. I I don't like what he stands for. I hate how he tried to change his appearance by taking off the glasses and uh, doing a mill house. And he's got his his wife with him trying to up the the women vote because it's not going so well for them. But here's the thing. I'm not, or I'd like to believe that I'm not resistant to reality. So in, here's the thing. Here's my, my statement to you, Matthew. And this is opinion. This is in fact, my opinion is that Justin Trudeau and the liberal party are a better alternative than Pierre Polyev and the conservatives. Having said that, I'm not, I'm not opposed to the reality of how Canadian, uh, the Canadian electorate works. We don't really enthusiastically vote for someone. We don't really get that. What we normally do is we get tired of a government and then we vote against them. Absolutely. And so we've, we've had Justin Trudeau in power so long. Even even if he had spent the last eight years just slam dunking everything he did, which I'm not saying he did. He absolutely did not do that. But even in that situation where everything he did was good, we'd eventually be sick of the guy and just vote him out. And I, I think the state where we're at, I I feel like it, the next election is Polyev's to lose. Well put. And to tie it back for uh, to Olivia Chow, you know... <laughs> In terms of the, the violence going on in the TTC, you know, I read, I think it was in the, the Sun, <laughs> or maybe it was online, I can't remember. She was asked uh, specifically, 
if um, if there's going to be a, a, a stronger police presence, perhaps in the TTC. And her word was a one-word answer, no. Um, I believe that she wants to have social workers down there. But the problem is, is that social worker versus guy or girl, most it's 98% of the time it's a guy, but whatever, guy or girl with a weapon. What do you think is going to happen? You're just sending another potential hostage or victim down there. That's my opinion. You know, I know you're going to hate me saying this. I'm sorry, but maybe Giorgio Mammoliti had a point when he said the TTC needs its own uh, police. You think about it. A lot of the airports in the United States have their own police within the airport. Um, I think New York City, does New York City Transit have their own police? No, I think they just have uh the regular new york police on the system but they have them on the system is is you know kind of to connect what you're saying well I, you know what i wouldn't want to bloat the ttc uh, the 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 toronto police budget anymore so i would rather ttc have their own police uh governed i don't know how the fuck they would work that out but anyway uh, maybe that's not such a bad idea uh obviously they wouldn't have the same rights and freedoms as the Toronto police. But if I see, I'm a rational thinking person. So to me, I, I wouldn't do it, but I have to believe that a guy or a girl with a gun or a knife or some other kind of weapon and sees the TTC police is going to think twice, maybe three times before doing whatever it is they were going to do. And that's that's even to say that the stuff was pre-planned because I'm not insinuating that. I know that a lot of the stuff that happens in the TTC is crime of opportunity or someone having mental health issues as well. I understand that. Go ahead. That was no, that was really well put. It was is the crime of opportunity bit you said. And but what's interesting is and 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 this goes back to the problem is, Matthew, I feel like I'm just being like a little a little dickling, like throwing bombs in your ideas and not really throwing out good ideas in response. But here's here's the thing about police on the TTC. How many trains are moving through the TTC at any one time? That's a good point. I have no a idea. Lot, a lot. You you can't possibly have a, a cop on each and every train. Each and Which every of course car, goes into the each and every car. Each, well, every that's train. the thing. On on line on line one, it's the trains are like they're all interconnected and long. You could just walk through it. Yeah. So you could technically have one one officer for there, but again, that's still one officer for how many trains running on the line at any given time. Plus, plus then you've got the trains. Plus, hold on. Plus one at each. Station. The trains on line two. Plus one yes. at each. And station. then the trains. And then the trains on line two. I mean, you technically can go through the doors, but they're not properly like interconnected in that same way. So it's, you know, you throw some cops onto the, the TTC, but it's kind of like, it literally is needle in a haystack situation. It's the, the violence could happen literally anywhere on the TTC and the police could be literally anywhere else. It would just, 
It, well, let, let me ask it you just, something. It wouldn't be let me ask effective. you. Let me ask you something. I know this is a bad example, but I still want you to answer. Uh, for the portion uh, that they had the TTC, uh, the police on the TTC, and you take the TTC to work, how often would you say in a five day work week uh, did you see any of these police? Me? Yeah. Um. Oh my God! Not very often at all. Uh, probably really, I think it was occasion, probably in that three month span that they had an increased presence on the TTC. I think I probably saw them three or four times. Okay. That's that's simply where else can they, how big of a presence can they have before it's just tunnels of cops and no, no one on the surface. So it's a big issue and I don't. I love to believe that social workers can go down there and fix anything, but it's not the case and it's not realistic. I wish it was. I'm not opposed to the idea. I'm saying I don't think it's going to work. And you're just sending another hostage or potential victim into the subway. That's what I'm saying. One thing that I think actually could improve safety on the system without anything in terms of cops social workers, whatever, is to simply, and this sounds weird, but I hope it makes sense to you, is to simply increase the service. If you have people not standing around as long in the stations, you know, they're moving on trains, there's not people kind of waiting around to be victimized. Like, it's obviously not a perfect solution because they'll still come on the trains, but, you know, you make the service better, and that's rewarded with, higher customer use which is which is its own safety you understand where it's like there's more people around you're more likely to be safe in that environment than a sparsely populated train that's true like i I feel like the video the video with the guy with the knife who was chasing the other guy it was one of the the long connected line one trains because you see them run quite the distance but it's a fairly sparsely populated train and that's partially to do with um, you know, are cutting our services into the system. There's crime is complicated, Matthew. <laughs> and and so uh, we got about eight minutes before this goes off the the first part. So I will ask you this one question to kind of put this all in a nice little neat bow. What kind of time frame do you think the people of the city are going to give Olivia Chow? If this shit keeps happening on the TTC now that she's the mayor, to be perfectly honest, I and I, I I get the sense, and this this goes back to what I was saying, where it felt unfair. You know, John Tory did jack fucking shit. You know, our garbage cans were overflowing. Our police are doing whatever the fuck they're doing. They're reducing service on the TTC. And we reelected that fucker. The only the only reason Twice. he is not mayor the second Twice. is because the, the people what I'm coming to the conclusion of is democracy doesn't work. No. <laughs> but it's like, but for whatever reason, nothing ever seems to be John Tory's fault. Like we talk about it between ourselves you know we we bitch and moan about john tory being a failure but as far as the city goes 
he still has a weird amount of sway. He's campaigning with Gary Crawford. He recorded a robocall for Gary Crawford for his Scarborough Guildwood run. Uh, he endorsed Anna Bailau and almost gave her the election. How the fuck does this, you know, shameless man have so much sway in the city still? That's a great question. Which, I mean, it, it still doesn't answer your question of how much time, how much grace is really your question. How much grace do the people of Toronto give Olivia Chow? And I've got to be honest with you, for whatever reason, fair or not fair, I don't think she's getting any grace. Well, you see, it's not fair because we can agree that Olivia Chow inherited a dumpster fire of the city. A dumpster Absolutely. Fire. 100%. And there, <laughs> there are issues all around. There's the housing, the homeless, the TTC. Uh, there's the, the financial crisis, the Ontario place. There are so many. There's the, 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 the gardener. There are so many issues in this city. And I'm just worried, like, what's the grace period on this before people start saying, why the fuck did we elect Olivia Chow? Yeah. And again, I, I, even if it's, if it's fair or not, like, if Anna Bila got elected, I don't think there'd be so as much pressure on her to fix this refugee situation. And that's, I mean, I could be wrong. I'm, I'm speaking into a hypothetical reality and I'm, I'm, I'm making it as if my side is on the, oh, woe is us kind of thing. But like, I just, she does have to do the right thing. And I am already disappointed that she hasn't moved faster. But again, it doesn't seem like others would have gotten that same level of, you got to do something about this, as Olivia Chow has gotten so far. But again, we can't not say that about her because you wanted the job. You wanted the job. You got the job. You got to fucking do it. Well, according to Rob Davis, if you, you know, we covered this last week. If you outlaw Airbnb, there's 20,000 units ready to go. I, I got to tell you, I, I don't know how true that is, but I fucking hate Airbnb. <laughs> like, that's fine with me. And just, I don't know, there's a lot of entitlement. There's a lot of. There's a lot of personal wealth. A lot of people kind of ignore the fact that it's like these are people who own properties and most of the time own a second property so that they can leave that property for people to, I don't know, Airbnb as a whole, it's rich people grievances for me. Fuck those guys. Fuck those guys. Thank you, Matthew. That's must, what I wanted. Must be nice to have rich people problems. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> That's absolutely right. Must be nice. <laughs> Well, in any event, you know, I hope that, like I said, I wanted to, I want to be wrong about Olivia Chow. I hope that, I don't know what the fuck I'm saying. I, I hope that she can address these issues in a timely manner. I think we suffered enough under John Tory, and I'm just ready for anything else. And, you know, you know, I didn't vote for Olivia Chow, but she's the mayor and she brings hope and possibility and all this other stuff. And if she doesn't live up to it, it's going to dissuade people from voting in the future. They're not going to give a fuck as it is. We only had, what was it? 39, was it 39%, 37% of the, 
voting turnout. Which again, as as we point out, was a improvement over our municipal election in October. Correct. Which is embarrassing. Let's be clear. It's embarrassing as fuck. But it's still 39% because what's the difference? 61% don't give a fuck. They don't care or they don't, they think their vote doesn't matter. So 61% of the people on election day decided to stay home and say, fuck it. 30, 39% said, I'm going to vote. Now, if Olivia Chow is not able to accomplish, even if we say, hey, take as long as you want, you got your three years. If by next election, none of these issues are addressed, or God forbid they're worse. Oh, yeah. No she one's- will not get reelected on that. No, it's not even that. No one's going to give a fuck about who the mayor is. No one's going to care what kind of promises the next mayor will make. I'll do this. I'll do that. Blah, blah, blah. They're not going to care because they're not going to believe it. Olivia Chow preached hope. She preached possibility. And even though I didn't vote for her, I, I like the message. But it's time for her. She won now. She's the mayor. Now it's time for her to prove it. And, uh, you know, I, I I can't wait for that to happen. And we're back. And um, you know how much I love Chloe Brown, even though she didn't win. Uh, she put out a tweet that uh, included a link uh, where the topic, it, it, it's an article by CBC, which generally, I don't like CBC, but uh I'll give them props for this article. Uh, The headline is Doug Ford's government has lost more than a dozen court cases. Here's a list. (laughs) Premier Doug Ford's government lost yet another court case this week. It has become a bit of a trend. Uh, The date for this article. Oh, (laughs) it's it's almost two years old, but I don't care. No, that's still relevant. We, we've been in a weird warp zone of pandemic and existing. Uh, it's relevant. Don't, don't worry about two years. We're good. So one of the, um, one of the questions is, why is the government losing court cases with such frequency? And one theory comes from Michael Bryant, who uh, I don't know if he still is, but at, excuse me, at the time he was executive director of the Canadian Civil Liberties Association, and a former Attorney General of Ontario in the Dalton McGuinty Liberal government. And he said that public interest groups nationwide are showing a greater willingness to defy Canada's tendencies uh, uh, to not be litigious. Uh, it's legitimate means to access our, consul- uh, our uh, constitution to go to the courts, and we're doing it more than ever. <laughs> He also believes that the Ford government is giving groups in Ontario plenty of ammunition for court battles by bringing forward, quote, a lot of unconstitutional legislation, and I don't mean that flippantly, end quote. Bryant says aligning legislation with the Charter of Rights and Freedoms is, quote, less important to this government, end quote. So... The cases, the first one is the one on carbon pricing. Arguably the highest profile loss of the Ford government is a case launched by 
the government itself, uh, Ontario's charter challenge uh, of the federal Liberals carbon pricing program, could because Ford campaigned on a promise uh, uh, to fight the uh, carbon tax and budgeted $30 million in taxpayer funds for the court battle and lost. Uh, the second one, the election finance rules in June. And uh, if, if, by the way, you can interrupt me at any point if you have questions. Um, in, uh, in June, an Ontario Superior Court judge struck down new restrictions on election campaign spending by what the province calls third parties, which are interest groups that are not political parties, such as unions or corporate funded lobbies. Uh, within the days of the ruling, Ford recalled the legislature for an emergency sitting to push through a bill overriding the court's decision through use of the charter's notwithstanding clause. Number three, the ministerial zoning orders. In a decision released on September 8th, a three-judge panel of Ontario Superior Court found the government acted unreasonably and unlawfully by failing to consult the public in advance of enacting Bill 197, the COVID-19 Economic Recovery Act. The legislation changes the rules for ministerial zoning orders, which are used to fast-track land developments. The judge said the Minister of Municipal Affairs was bound by the Environmental Bill of Rights to consult Ontarians before making the changes. Number four is the cap and trade. In a similar finding in October 2019, the Ontario Divisional Court panel found the Ford government broke the law when it scraped, scrapped, sorry, scrapped the previous Liberal government's cap and trade system without first conducting public consultation. The decision was effectively mute because the ruling did not force the province to reinstate the program. Uh, which used financial incentives to force companies to reduce carbon emissions. The case was brought uh, by the environmental group Greenpeace. Gas pump stickers. The Ontario Superior Court struck down the Ford government's policy that forced gas stations to post stickers vilifying the federal, liberals go uh, federal liberal government's carbon tax. In September 20... Yeah, in September 2020, I didn't even know about this one, uh, ruling Justice Edward M. Morgan said the government cannot legislate a requirement that per, that private retailers post material designed to campaign against a political party or another level of government. <sighs> now we're just getting into the crabby shit, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> Uh, number six. I mean, the important the important thing is this: the man loves to lose. Keep going, but I I I can hear this man lose all day. Like, keep going, but I just wanted to say that he just he he has to have some sort of humiliation fetish at this point. Uh, number six: the cabinet mandate letters. Ford government is pursuing a three year legal battle to keep secret the premier's mandate letters to his cabinet ministers. The letters lay out a checklist of expectations for each minister and the government first refused in August 2018 to release them in response to requests by CBC News. Uh, in an adjudication decision in 2019, Ontario's Information and Privacy Commissioner ordered the government to release the documents. 
The government then asked Ontario's divisional court to overturn the decision, but lost that case too in 2020 and was ordered to pay the CBC $17,000 in legal costs. The government then took the matter to the Ontario Court of Appeal. The case was heard in August, but is not yet known when the judges will render their decision. So until they render a decision, does that mean they're not available? The mandate letters? Uh, yeah, that's exactly right. That one, the mandate letter thing is just bonk, absolutely bonkers to me because it's not, it's not a crime of, you know, it's not violence. It's not, it's nothing like that, but it's, when you're an elected official, your job is to serve the constituents whom elected you. The mandate letters are about what you as an elected official are supposed to be striving for during your mandate. The fact that they're trying to keep them hidden is just it's stupid. The only the only assumption you can make the only reason you'd hide mandate letters. Mandate letters are just supposed to say, here's what I would like to do for the people of my community. The only reason you're going to want to hide those is because it says, I'd like to dick the people of my community. Or you may have found out in 2019 they had designs on the green belt, even if it wasn't public knowledge back then. I don't remember. Right. 20, 2019 was so long ago, so I don't remember. I mean, what if the mandate letter for the Minister of Health was simply, hey, without freaking out the public, try to make private health care seem tenable so we can make that an option. Um, but again, it's if they put that out in a mandate letter and that got to the public, we read it saying, hey, trick those rubes into wanting private health care. People would be pissed, obviously. Yep. Okay, number seven is student fees opt out. The government's student choice initiative announced in January 2019 would have allowed post about that too. Would have allowed post-secondary students to opt out of paying fees for services deemed non-essential, such as funding for student unions and campus newspapers. Uh, successive court rulings went against the government, most recently in August by the province's top court, blah, 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 blah. The court also ordered the government to pay $20,000 in legal costs to the Canadian Federation of Students. I wonder if they ever saw that money. Anyway. <laughs> Number eight, failing to consult with First Nations. In a ruling released September 1st, the Ontario Superior Court judge found that the province failed in its constitutional duty to consult with the, I'm going to butcher this, I apologize, Jinnu Gaming First Nation before issuing a mineral exploration uh, permit in its traditional territory. The judge granted an injunction against mining activities in the, I'm going to butcher this, sorry, we sinin Zach Gigan, an area considered sacred uh, by the people of Jinnu Gaming, located about 300 kilometers northeast of Thunder Bay. Holy shit. All right, number nine shielding government from negligence suits. The government lost its appeal of a $30 million class action award related to Ontario jails 
use of administrative segregation, a form of solitary confinement. Uh, the Ford government fought the case in part by invoking new legislation that it introduced in 2019 that aimed to give the province broader immunity from negligence lawsuits. However, in its March 2021 decision, the Ontario Court of Appeal ruled that the operations of the government cannot be shielded from liability claims. Wow. I bet you none of the prisoners got any of that money. Maybe No, absolutely not. <laughs> Uh, number 10, Heritage Building Demolition. In January 2021, a community group won a court injunction that stopped the provincial government from demolishing a group of heritage buildings at the former Dominion Foundry Complex in Toronto's West Donlands to clear the way for new housing development. In August, the City of Toronto reached a deal with the province to preserve two of the buildings considered to have the greatest heritage value. Uh, number 11, OHIP coverage for snowboard birds. Snowboards. <laughs> um, uh, we're not talking about the old folks who go to Florida. We're, we're talking about snowboards. The Superior Court of Justice ordered the government in September 2020 to reinstate the out-of-country travelers program, which provide, provided... Uh, partial coverage uh, for medical expenses incurred outside Canada through OHIP, the Ontario Health Insurance Plan. The Ford government cancelled the program in early 2020, but the but the court ruled that the move violates the Canada Health Act. Uh, let's see. Number 12, the wind farm cancellation. In May 2020, the Ontario Superior Court panel of judges overturned, overturned the Ford government's cancellation of the Nation Rise Wind Energy Project near Cornwall. The judges said that the move by then Minister of Environment Jeff Urich to revoke uh, uh, approvals for this project was unreasonable and procedurally unfair. They're talking about the, 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 the wind turbines? Is that what they're talking about? I think so, yeah. Remember how I told you I like debates to be entertaining? Yes. I can't remember if it was a provincial um, a provincial <clears throat> election or it was the leadership one, the one that Doug Ford won. Uh, but do you remember a woman by the name of Tanya Granick Allen or Tanya Allen Granick or whatever the hell her name is? I feel like I recognize the, those sequence of sounds, but uh, <clears throat> maybe this Google of my Barely. Tanya Granick Allen. There we go. So I can't remember which election or which, which, whether it was the leadership race or the provincial election. I think it was the leadership. No, race. Ontario PC leadership. Yep. Okay. So I remember, remember how I told you I like to be entertained. So she, for this, for, for that specific one, I was paying attention because uh, I Stupidly wanted Doug Ford to win. I'm sorry. That was the time where I was a conservative. Um, but anyway, so I found her very entertaining. And I said to myself, well, if Doug Ford loses, I want her to be the leader rather than Christina Elliott. Um, so because one of the things she said was, I will literally 
rip the wind turbines out of the ground one by one. I just found the way she did it, like I'm not doing it justice right now, but the way she said <laughs> it and the and her, her arm, like it was so funny. So I just wanted to uh, bring up that little tidbit. Uh, number 13, Tesla electric uh, vehicle rebates. In July 2018, just days after taking office, the Ford government scrapped an incentive program offering rebates of up to $14,000 for purchases of electric cars. There was a two-month grace period for those who had ordered cars from dealers, but the incentive ended immediately for anyone who ordered their vehicle directly from the manufacturer. That specifically hit Tesla buyers. Number 14. Was that mentioned? Was that, was that lawsuit brought up by Tesla itself? Um, the sorry, the last blurb on it was an Ontario Super Superior Court judge ruled that the government's action was arbitrary and had singled out Tesla for harm. Uh, number fourteen, pay equity for midwives. Ontario's midwives had waged a long-running legal battle over pay equity. Human Rights uh, Tribunal of Ontario ordered the province uh, in early 2020 to provide midwives uh, a back pay increase of 20% for the years 2011 to 2015. The Ford government took the case to a higher court to try and get the order overturned. And in a June 2020 ruling, the Ontario Divisional Court upheld the pay equity award However, the government is challenging that ruling uh, at the Ontario Court of Appeal, and the hearing is scheduled for November 10th. What happened to your uh, your feed? Uh, I'm not sure. Can you hear me? I can hear you. Okay, well, then we're going to stick with what we got going for now. Don't know what happened, but we'll live with what we got going. As long as you can hear me, we're good. And, of course... The last part of this article was Ford's biggest court victory instead of his losses. And now, of course, I'm talking about the Ontario Court of Appeal ruled in September 2019 that Ford's government had the legitimate authority to cut the size of Toronto City Council a few months before the 2018 municipal election. The City of Toronto, of course, they took the case to the Supreme Court of Canada. During the hearing in March, lawyers for the city argued that Ford government trampled on democracy with the move while the lawyers for the province argued the ensuing election was fair was free and fair the court has yet to indicate when it will render its judgment interesting don't you think this government loves to lose i mean except for elections which is really the only thing that matters absolutely you know this story you're talking about um, Cam H? Yes, I'm talking about the news that... See, that we can... Well, A, we can't just say out loud that Christine Elliott has been appointed to the board of Cam H. We can't... I know we said we were going to look into it, um, which uh, clearly both of us missed out on that. Um, so that is something that I would like to look into for next week, just because, um, man... Cam H is one of those institutions that you hear about is one of those like one of those solid stalwarts of like healthcare for mental health. 
And to know that Christine Elliott, you know, one of the, one of our great, you know, ministers of health during the, the COVID pandemic. Oh my God. There's, it's not great. It's not great. That's, uh, that's really what I want to say. It is not great. No, it's not. And now uh, to close out tonight, actually, I'm going to let you go. Is there anything that you wanted to talk about non your upcoming by-election? Because that's what we were going to cover. Other than that, is there anything else you wanted to cover before we hit that and get out of here? I I actually did want to talk about specifically, weirdly specifically, I want to talk about how strongly it feels like the Ontario PCs are really going after Scarborough Guildwood. And I, I say that, I mean, I guess the province isn't sitting in legislature right now, so maybe they have time. But So I'm following Gary Crawford on Twitter, of course, as I do. Um, it's his account for him running for MPP. And really, it seems like he only uses his Twitter account to, uh, to show off his political endorsements and people who've kind of been canvassing with him. So I, I wanted to say the kinds of the people who've been canvassing for him, which I, I'm surprised because they're like big name conservatives. It's like, are they really going hard for this seat? Is it really important to them? So for starters, hold on, pump, pump, uh, pump the brakes for a second. I don't okay. mean to, don't you think it's funny that in the municipal election, Doug Ford, supported Mark Saunders, John Tory supported Anna Bailau, yet in this by-election, they both support Gary Crawford. I find that well, interesting. That that doesn't surprise me too much, um, because, of course, for the mayor election, and as we don't have official parties, you know, they're both just stumping for the conservative they wanted to win. But they could, have, they could have... They could have um, Endorse the Plant? same can the same candidate is my point. Oh, Matthew, that would have required <laughs> them to have a plan, which they did not. So, for Gary Crawford running in Scarborough Guildwood, which I would have told you was a very inconsequential seat, but I'm thinking I'm wrong. So, from the top, of course, as you mentioned, he's had both Doug Ford and John Tory canvass with him. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's had the MPP for Whitby, Lauren Coe, <coughs> the MPP for Brampton North, Graham McGregor, the MPP for York Center, Michael Kersner has canvassed with him. Uh, let's see, who else has been here? MPP for Aurora Oak Ridges, Richmond Hill, Michael Parsa. Has canvassed with Gary. Wing Serma, MPP for wherever the fuck she is of ruining Ontario place. Uh, she's canvassed with Gary. Um, MPP for Etobicoke Lakeshore, Christine Hogarth is canvassing with Gary Crawford. MPP for Brampton West, Emerjo Sanju is canvassing with Gary Crawford. Uh, MP, MPP for Willowdale, Stan Cho, is canvassing for Gary Crawford. Uh, and that's, that's Doug Ford's. 
Oh my God, MVP for Markham Soville, Paul Calendra is canvassing with uh, Gary Crawford. MPP for Milton, Harm Gill. Like, oh my God, this is actually quite a collection of them. Oh my God. <laughs> MPP for Brampton South, Pradmeet Sakaria has been canvassing with him. Uh, Aren't they NDPs? No, no. They are They are all concerned. Oh my God, Paul Ainsley. Shit. Also, I mean, I guess I was hoping to get him on the show this week, but I never reached out to him. Oh, I don't like to ask him about this. Oh, my God. Okay, so Paul Ainsley is also doing it. Oh, my God. MPP for Mississauga Lakeshore. Rudy Cosetto is uh, canvassing for Gary Crawford. Oh, my God. Okay, MPP for Burlington. Natalia Pierre canvassing for Gary Crawford. I guess they want this seat really, really badly. It seems like they do. I cannot honestly tell you why. I mean, here's the thing. I, I can sort of understand why in their minds, if they get the seat, like, yeah, they already have a majority government. You get your foot in the door of the seat, you're just you're just increasing your odds to win the next election, right? The incumbent uh, advantage. Mm, yeah, but, but, I mean, it wasn't going to happen this past year, but I believe that next election will be either if Bonnie Crombie wins the leadership or Merritt Stiles' election to lose, if well, depending on vote splitting, because as you pointed out earlier, we don't really vote in new governments. We vote out... Sorry, yeah. we don't really vote in government. We vote out governments we're sick and tired of, and it's nice to see you back. Yeah, I don't know how that happened, but here I am. So what I wanted to go through is something that I received. Um, it is an official uh, by-election um, candidate list. Ooh. I don't know if Oh, I... Do you think you're going to surprise me with a couple? Because I've... No, no, no. Don't spoil it. Okay, <laughs> just... I'm not... But if you wanted to have a, a, a comment or two on each name, you can let it fly. So here we go. Starting from the top. Independent... Abu Alam, never heard of him. Independent, Kevin Clark. Oh, oh, wait, oh, did I know that? I think I saw him. Uh, there's a few more names that I do recognize, and I think Kevin Clark is one I was aware of, but I just forgot. Uh, for the progressive conservative, Gary Crawford. Um, independent, Habiba Desai. Yeah, friend of the pod. Uh from the Canadian's Choice, um, Paul Fr Paul from, and this is where you go from where, <laughs> but it's spelled F R O M M, so maybe it's from. But any, but but if I was you and you said Paul from, and I'm like, Paul from where? <laughs> you're waiting. You're waiting for a much funnier person to catch on. <laughs> um, from the Liberal Party, Andrea Hazel. From the New Blue Party, Danielle Height. I'm kind of surprised that the New Blue is still a thing. Because uh, they sort of split off during, it was during the pandemic. It was in the, sort of the same as the People's Party. Yeah. Um, it sort of felt like they split off from the general, the main conservative party because they weren't happy with what they were doing during the pandemic. 
So that's that's what the new blue party is. I'm surprised there's still a registered party, to be honest. From the Green Party, Tara McMahon. From the New Democrat Party, Fadsha Nevenethan. From the No Affirm Affiliation Party, or No Affiliation at all. Reginald Tall. Tall. Reginald <laughs> Tall. Wow. He's running again. That's awesome. I wonder what's I wonder what's the difference between an independent and no affiliation. No idea. That's awesome. I'm I'm very happy for him. You know, I don't know if I, I told you recently, but his episode that we did with him is still our highest rated episode, even Amazing. all these months later. Don't know how he did it, but here we are. Uh independent. John Termill, whoever that is. And I recognize this name, the uh, from the Stop the New Sex Ed Agenda group, Tony Walton. So you recognize that name? Yeah, for some reason. I think he ran in October in the mayoral race, but not, not this past mayoral race, I don't believe. <clears throat> well, I guess it doesn't help if it's a it's a regular name because I just got the um, a British set and costume designer on Wikipedia, so that's not who we're looking for. But what about this party? Stop the new sex ed agenda. You know what? What's funny is I've actually I saw on Twitter Norm comments about it, and only to say that he's known of this party's existence, and I guess as a TD, a former. Uh, TDCSB, is that how they say the Catholic School Board? Yeah, the Toronto District, yeah, TDCSB yeah. Uh, trustee. Um, I guess he's had some run-ins with them before. I, You know, it seems pretty clear they're probably a one-issue party. Um, and so sounds like Norm has had some run-ins with them. So I'd be very curious about uh, what he has to say about the Stop the Sex Ed Party. Stop the new Sex Ed Party. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, is it? I, I would be hard. Pre I, I know you, you're 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 at a crossroads with this particular by election, but it'd be hard pressed for anyone but Gary Crawford to win. I'm sorry. It does. It no. It feel. It really does feel that way. Like it. It seems like they've got the star power behind him. I, I call it star power. I mean, they're conservative MPPs, but but you know, they're clearly going for it. Yes. And. It seemed like there's a part of me as we had this conversation last week, you know, I'm, I want to run. I genuinely do. There's also that part of me that's nervous that it's too soon. I haven't built up enough of a, a presence. Um, but it, it, it almost seems like I'm not going to get that choice. It looks like he might win. I think we'll do just, or you'll do just fine. Um, <laughs> question for you. I, I don't know if you know this, I'm the rules are a little blurry when it comes to city council. It seems like they'll wait forever. If he does win, um, how long is it 60 days or 90 days before they can call the by-election? Uh, I have no idea. That's a good question. Um, because it, it feels like in my mind, it felt like this, this by-election, this provincial one felt like it was called fast. But I guess they had to wait for uh, for Mitzi to officially drop out uh, before they could do it. 
And even then, I guess I was like a two. I'm gonna. I guess it's probably sixty days. Sixty days, and then it's probably the the election will be either two or three months. No, it won't be that. No, no, because it's just it's just a council it's, seat. Yeah, it's just a council seat, and it's a by election, so it will. I think it will have a reduced time frame. Or, or they could just appoint somebody. Theoretically speaking, I I don't think they can. I think the only reason, I think it's a timing thing, where it was when those other. Um, counselors resigned for the reasons that they did, either running for the province or uh, you know, you... Joe Cressy going to do schools. Um, I I think it was just a matter of it being so close to the municipal election that there's no chance for um, for there to be a by election. So I think in those situations they. Uh, but go they hold were... on, go with me for a second here. We got uh, we got about six minutes. Go with me for a second. So if they. <laughs> If they did appoint someone, theoretically speaking, Josh Matlow would probably be a yes for you. If you oh, okay. <laughs> actually, Josh... that'd be so that'd be so funny hold on, hold if on. it actually so, was. Have... Okay, sorry. So Josh Matlow would be a yes. Anthony Peruza would be a yes. Paul Ainsley would be a yes. Is there? I hope so. Is there? Is there others that I don't know about? I know about those three. Uh, well, I can tell you very safely, Brad Bradford would be a hell of a yes. No. <laughs> no, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I can fix him. I can fix Bradford. I can get him. No, I'm, I'm joking. <laughs> it would be so funny for him to like see me there and just be like, fucking no. <laughs> Wouldn't you be neighbors with him? Because he's Ward 19, you're Ward 20. I would absolutely be neighbors Liter with him. Literal neighbors. There's a. There's I'd be a... such a. I'd be such a dick. Like <laughs> you'd be like, no, that's on your side of the uh, of the ward. <laughs> I listen. I know where that ward boundary is. That's Victoria Park, the middle of the street. Uh, I've got garbage on my side. I'm throwing it onto Bradford's side. <laughs> oh fuck. It All would right. be the well, biggest counselor rivalry that ever existed. Is there anything else you want to cover before we get out of here? I feel pretty confident. I think we uh, we covered some good shit today. One quick thought: Is it just me, or is I was I the only one that noticed? Because I, I I watched a few minutes of the inauguration. And by the way, what the fuck was the singing about? But anyway, listen. listen. Am I the only one who noticed that? Gil Penalosa was sitting in one of the counselor seats. Where were the was counselors? It? Oh, they were they were also sitting in the audience. I think people just didn't care about the replacement, which is a shame. I would I love sitting in the council chambers. I would have loved to have sat in one of their seats. I've got a weird problem. I wonder if Gil Penalosa gets a job at City Hall from, from Olivia Chow. You know, I'm kind of surprised that that hasn't really come up. He didn't run to endorse Olivia Chow. Like, I, that's a huge... He was going to run. He came on our podcast talking about his plans for running for mayor. So it just... It felt like it was a very quick decision for him not to run. Absolutely. And with that, I think uh, we're good for today. But I want to give a quick shout-out, because we didn't do it last week, to our, um, to our listeners. And uh, I got some new ones today because uh, 
we have new listeners. Um, I'm just waiting for I love this. New I'm just waiting for this stupid thing to load up. Listen, Ohio, you know we love you. You don't need to be reminded, Ohio. You're our friends. Yes, there's in Ohio in, pals in the United States. There's you, uh, Ohio. There's Minnesota, Oregon, California, Nevada, um, Tennessee. We got in a surge in Tennessee, of course. Hell yeah! New York, Indiana, uh, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Michigan, um, Florida, Georgia, North Carolina, Texas, South Carolina, Virginia, West Virginia. Holy <sighs> shit! You're just naming them off. You're just going. Pop yeah. off, King. You keep it up. Um, in, in terms of countries, we've got we now have listeners in the Philippines. Hell yeah. We now have listeners in Colombia. Bring it, baby. Uh, also the UK, Italy, France, Berm- uh, not Bermuda, sorry. Uh, um, oh, fuck. Uh, Belgium, sorry. I don't know why I confuse it to Belgium, uh, Venezuela, El Salvador. Um, and I'm sure there's others I'm forgetting, but you know, I, I don't want to get off here without recognizing our Canadian fans, the ones who made us because we're a Toronto podcast. So we thank you guys again. We ask you, uh, for your support, not in the way of dollars, but in the way of listens. If you like our show, listen to go, go, go to Spotify or wherever you see us. Go and listen to our entire catalog of shows. If you know someone who likes pod- podcasts, turn them on to our show, and we'll do the rest of the work. Me and Phil, we 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 uh, take care of the rest of the haul. So uh, with that, you know, I'd like to uh, thank you guys for listening, and uh, for Phil and for everyone else. Thank you guys, and we will see you with fresh content next week. And this is the municipal. Have you been paying attention to, like, city stuff? Don't vote, can't bitch. Sorry to, uh, to point that finger at you. My answer was that would be yes and no. My tummy hurts, and I'm mad at the government. You're saying council wouldn't approve it, and two, you're robbing them of their, their voice. It's, it's, he's already, he's already failed to uphold it.